Welcome to The Porch, an online community of believers committed to restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining the world-shaking influence of the early church. The church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire of the upper room still burns. This is where we get back to basics, the red-letter basics, by examining the Word of God and the example of the Book of Acts Church to discover how the early church served the Lord. In doing so, we discovered the church the Lord intended and not the one that man created. The Porch on the Air since March of 2010 can only be heard on Firefall Talk Radio, which is a part of the Firefall Media Group. We're glad you're with us. To reach us click the contact button on the Firefall Talk Radio homepage at firefalltalkradio.com. If you want to support what we do there are ways to do that starting with the PayPal link at the bottom of the homepage. You can also use the Venmo app, which is easier to use and has fewer fees, where we can be found under at Firefall Media Group. One word. Uppercase on FMG. Thank you to each and every one of you who support what we do. We appreciate your support and encouragement. Give as the Lord leads. And now, to the Bible study with Richard Grund. Ephesians 1, verses 2 through 7, says, Grace to you and peace from our God and Father, the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters, I will add, by Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So welcome. Welcome to the Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. We're doing things a little different tonight. Over the last month or so, been in a heavy teaching mode. Tonight's going to be a little different. Of course, there'll be scripture. Uh, Even if I give you my opinion, I do it with scripture. But tonight, I'm going to be talking to you um, about why this lesson on Ephesians 6 is so important. And I've called this lesson Kingdom Threat Assessment. I'm not getting the sense that the majority of you are understanding why I'm doing this detailed study on Ephesians 6. So we're going to, we're going to um, talk about that. But before I do, I want to bring up some things that are going on. There's going to be some changes at Firefall Talk Radio. If you remember, we started out on Blog Talk. And then after a lot of technical problems, we moved over to Spreaker. Well, apparently now Spreaker has the same technical problems, which makes sense since Blog Talk bought them some years ago. So I'm looking to make a move again. I've got my eye on a particular place. I haven't finalized that yet. When I do, I will let you know. But here's what I need from you, the listeners to the porch. I need to know how you listen to us. Go to Firefall Talk Radio, 
www.thepatriotmedia.com, use the contact button, and write me. Or you could write me at firefallmediagroup at gmail.com, make the subject line the porch, and tell us where it is that you listen to us. So I can get a better idea of what the primary streaming source is. Going to make some other changes, too. Beside the Bible studies, I'm going to start doing the porch testimonies. Start reaching out to people whose testimony, I think, applies to what we're doing and record them and share them with you either uh, most likely after the Bible studies or on a separate night. And periodically, without warning, I'm going to be doing Facebook Live, signing in while I'm speaking, and doing a live broadcast of the porch. Until I can get all the technical things down and figure out how to do all this live. Unfortunately, we have to do it this way. Um, you get the audio live, and then I shoot the video while I'm speaking and edit it and put it up. Last week's video has been delayed. There have been some little hiccups along the way, and um, it'll be up by the end of this week. And so probably two will go up at once. If you've written me, I saw somebody left me a message on Spreaker. Another problem I'm having with Spreaker, so I'm not getting my messages. If you wrote me on Spreaker, I just found it, and I will get back to you. That's the other thing we're trying to work out, a way that we can interact. I know our community is small, but I believe it's the Lord wants to grow it. I believe that there are people out there that want what we have here on the porch, no matter where they are. So I'm just going to take on a little more work to do that. But no matter what we do, we start out with praise reports and prayer requests. So I praise the Lord for my salvation. And because of that salvation, I was able to celebrate the 41st wedding anniversary for my wife and I on Monday the 26th. Without the Lord giving me back my family on October 9th of 1988, I wouldn't have that. I wouldn't have my sons. I wouldn't have my daughter-in-laws. I wouldn't have my grandson. I wouldn't have any of the things that I've had. So my salvation and my relationship with him is the most important praise that I can share with you. Now, So I praise him for this house. I praise him for the technology. I praise him for the calling. I praise him for sharing with me so that I can share with you. I praise him for you. Some of you have become very close friends and even considered family. That's a blessing to me. I praise him that he provides for us. Even when it looks like it's really bleak, he comes through. I've never seen him fail. If you're going through something right now, trust him. I praise him for the provisions, the protection, the Psalm 91 covering for the dreams and the visions, which I've mentioned have picked up again. Something shifted in the spirit world. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, I praise him for divine favor and revelation, for being a new creation, for loving us, being able to share with us what's going on in this world. I also believe that we are in the time of the end, so I'm praising him for his return. I long for the day that he fixes everything and comes and puts it back to the way it was supposed to be. But until then, we will tarry and we will occupy. So now we pray. 
We pray Psalm 122, verse 6 to start out with. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It says, may they prosper who love you. I love the children of Israel. They are my brothers and sisters. And because of the Jewish blood that flows in my veins, I am a part of the vine, but we're all grafted into the vine. We're all a part of the covenant promises that he had with Israel, except we have met Hamashiach. We have met Messiah. We are saved. We are healed. We are delivered. We are born again. I pray for him to protect them, to guide the leadership. I pray for America. As the song says, may he shed his grace on thee. We need his grace. We need his mercy. We don't deserve it, but I'm asking for it. We need divine intervention. I pray for the fatherless and the widows, the martyred, the innocents, and those who are victims of injustice, the persecuted. I pray for this. I pray. I pray for both human and animal. I pray for his creation. Brothers and sisters, we have not been good stewards of his creation. I pray against human trafficking and sex trafficking and all the things the enemy does to his creation. As a church, we should be doing more. We can pray. We can stand. I pray for our brothers and sisters around the world being slaughtered persecuted for their faith, Jew and Gentile. Um, it doesn't matter where they are, what country they're in, where they're being persecuted. They're being quietly, subtly persecuted in America, in Canada, in Western civilization. And it's going to get worse. So we need to wake up. We need to rise up. We need to stand against the growing spirit of the Antichrist. Do I believe he's waiting in the wings? Yes, I tell you that every week. But I also believe it's not his time. And so I am praying, and I hope you're praying with me, that the Lord make him sit down and be quiet. It's not his time. But it's time for us to do our job. To do that, we need divine wholeness, health, and healing as we get back to our divine design. I'm going to be sharing more about that with you with my son Jesse, who's a personal trainer, has some tremendous insights in health on a website that will be called divinedesign.com. Folks, we're going to get serious about changing things. So I'm praying for healing right now, heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. I'm praying for you to receive what you need in Messiah right now, whatever it is, Believe it and receive it. Stop speaking negativity. Stop cursing yourself with the words of this fallen world. I'm praying for divine protection. That Psalm 91 covering that allows us to walk and be in this fallen world and do everything that we've been called to do. I'm praying for divine inspiration. The Spirit is inside of you. He's abiding permanently inside of you. So I'm praising and praying that he would rise up, that the oil of the Spirit would cover you, and that you'd literally be on fire for him. Remnant, wake up. Rise up. Answer the call to action. Whatever it is you've been called to do, let's get it done. If we can do it together, let's do it together. If we can help you in any way, let us know. 
But how you can help us is you can pray for God to send his blessings to the porch, to Firefall, to SRT, so that we can get things done. We can get this documentary done. We can get others done. We can begin to expose the work of the enemy to the world so they can see the truth. We can pull Hasatan and the fallen out into the light. If you know someone that's been blessed, tell them, hey, be a blessing. You're needed. You are vitally needed. And we always pray for lost family members because without doing that, we have failed in our mandate. And as I said, pray about what we're doing here on the porch. Pray that we reach more people. Pray that we reach more of the remnant for the kingdom of God. Shavuot 2021, sundown, Sunday, May 16th, ending the two-day holiday sundown. Tuesday, May 18th, pay attention to those dates, Pentecost Sunday, May 23rd. No other praise reports and prayer requests, so let's get right to it. Father, we just come to you now in the name of Yeshua, the name above all names. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for sending Yeshua. We thank you, Lord, for shedding every drop of blood on the cross, for paying our debts for us because we couldn't pay them, clearing the bill so that we can be reconciled to our Heavenly Father. So thank you for that. Thank you for teaching us, being with us, loving us. And right now, Lord, you have, you have sons and daughters out there that know of you and know you They don't have an intimate relationship with you. They have never felt you. They've never seen you. They've never heard your voice. And I'm asking that in your love, your grace, and your mercy, you would make tonight the night that they experience that for the first time. I pray that you touch them and heal them. I pray that you would empower them and change them. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for teaching us and being with us. Thank you for doing what you do for us. And thank you most of all for putting up with us and being patient with us, encouraging us. So have your way. Have your way this night. Do whatever it is you decide to do. Take control. Guard my lips. Don't let me say anything but what you want me to say. Bless and protect this technology. And we pray all those things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. Combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So we have started out every week with the Lord's Prayer. By now you should know it. You should be reciting it with me. This is not a ritual. This is personal, this is real, this is intimate. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let your kingdom come. Rule on earth as you do in heaven. You know, I say this every week and I say it every day when I talk to the Lord. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no lack in heaven. There's no loneliness in heaven. We want heaven on earth. Now, we know we can't have it in the natural, but we can have it spiritually. We can have it personally, and we can have it when we come together, whether here on the porch or when we're able to come together, person to person, face to face. Power and glory. That's his kingdom. That's what we want. The miraculous dunamis power, the might, the strength that comes from his Holy Spirit. And the glory that he brings, because God is always good. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy of honor. He's worthy of glory, splendor, and renown. Remember I told you in Matthew twenty-five thirty-one, he said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, his majesty and splendor, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on his throne of glory. The kingdom of God is one of power and glory. Uh, He's bringing the tangible power and glory with him. Until then, we are the source of his power and glory on earth. We enforce his rule over the enemy. Let me say that again. We rule over the enemy when we act with dominion. We have dominion. He's given it to us. We have the authority. So now over these weeks... We've been talking about war, first the entrance into the promised land, the war in Canaan, Jericho, but now it's more personal. Now it's you, now it's me, it's the kingdom here and now. We are at war with the kingdoms of this world, which are therefore the kingdom of darkness. The plural kingdoms of this world are actually the singular kingdom of darkness. They're preparing for their time. We're preparing for ours. Two kingdoms at war. So like I said, we're going to take the week off from Ephesians 6 because I want to share to you from my heart. I'm also doing what the Lord said. He told me to do this, so here I am. I didn't know what I was going to say. I didn't just want to go on an hour-long rant, though I'm capable of that. That's not what this is about. This is about Scripture. This is about the Word. This is about Him. But then I remembered recently a friend of mine asked me a question. He asked me to address an issue that had come up between he and his daughter. And he asked if I would either teach on it in the Bible studies because he used a quote of mine that I've spoken here and I've spoken in the seminars regarding the issue of evil in the world. And the quote that he used, that he quoted me on, and caused a uh, a questioning response was that it would appear right now in the world that the demons are on steroids. Now, of course, I'm speaking from personal experience, from interacting with the kingdom of darkness, doing what I do for the kingdom of God. So that might not resonate with everybody. But the question that she asked was a good question. 
She was asking for biblical verification of that position. So I began to dwell on it. I thought I was going to write a blog, and I actually did start writing one, but now you're getting it from me verbally. If evil is increasing, that would mean that the demonic in the kingdom of darkness is increasing as well. Now, let me clarify, if you don't believe in demons or even Satan, what I'm about to present to you will have no meaning. And you're probably in the wrong place. And there there are believers that don't accept what I'm saying. They don't take a literal position of evil. They don't take a literal position of the devil and demons. That's their problem. The Bible tells us that they're real. Satan is real. Pervasive evil is real. I know these things from firsthand experiential knowledge. This isn't my opinion. This is experiential knowledge over the lifetime I've had, both as a non-believer and a believer. Since I got saved from a lifetime bondage to the occult that started in the crib that was passed on me through, to me through my blood lineage, since October 9th of 1988, I have stood on the front lines fighting for the kingdom, fighting for others, doing what the Lord has called me to do to confront the powers of darkness on behalf of the kingdom of God. So my calling has inspired me to keep an eye on what they're doing in the world and to pay attention to what's happening in those areas. Since July of 2007 and the creation of SRT, we've gone out there and we've been sent by the Lord to confront to cleanse, to close areas that the enemy has taken advantage of. We've been called to heal the land. We've been called to help the children of God. But what I've seen since then in every aspect of humanity is an increase in the presence and the influence of the demonic. And conversely, I've seen a corresponding lack of response by the church at large. Many would like to put their collective heads in the sand and ignore what's going on and act like it's business as usual. There's nothing different now than it was 80 years ago. Well, that's not true. And that 80-year number is pretty specific. And it was interesting that that was what was said. But again, it's my opinion. Is there anything in the Word to verify my point? Well, I believe that there is. I believe that we've been given markers to watch for, to allow us to discern the times and the season. I believe the the key marker for us as the church was the day of Pentecost. That day in Jerusalem, the Lord released his Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, from the throne room, emanating from the Father into us, into his church, That was a sign that the end had begun, and Peter declares it as such in Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 14, so let's go there. Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. 
And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see vision. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. Right there, Peter was comparing Joel 2.28 to what was happening and connecting the dots and telling those that were listening and to us who read it that the last days had begun. The enemy knew that. The enemy has responded accordingly. It was the signal that the clock, the final countdown, was ticking. Pentecost, that day in Jerusalem, is our marker, and we need to pay attention. They were heading in to the end of the age and the end of all things. Now, of course, he doesn't give us an exact timeline. He doesn't tell us date and hour We need to work every day, every moment, as if today is the day. You don't want to be like the foolish virgins that are caught off guard. You need to be doing whatever it is the Lord's told you to do. You need to get your head out of the collective sand. You need to turn off the religious blinders. Open your eyes, open your ears, open your heart, and see what is going on out there. Go with me to Matthew 24, starting with verse 3. What's really interesting, the Lord told me to share with you from my heart. So as I began to work on it, I realized there's going to be as much scripture, if not more, than in a weekly Bible study. I can't do it without the Word. If the Word doesn't verify what I say, it has no meaning. My opinion means nothing. But if what I share with you is based on the Word and has knowledge to back it up, You might want to consider listening. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when these things will be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. And Yeshua answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of the sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. You'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake, And then many will be offended, and will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Now, the end that he's talking about is the Great Tribulation. So there is a time frame between verse 14 into verse 15. There's a shift, and then it says, he says, Therefore, 
when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetops not go down to take anything out of his house. Let him who is in the field not go back and get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be a then there will be a great tribulation such as has not been seen since the beginning of the world to this time, nor shall ever be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. For the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or there, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise. Let me say that again. False Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to, to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he's in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will it be the coming Will the, will the coming of the Son of Man be? I'm sorry, I'm reading this. I'm getting excited. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. And immediately after the tribulation of those days, now we're into the other part of Joel chapter 2, the sun will be but the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of the trumpet. And they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Oh, Lord, so may it be. I am just lit up right now. I wish I could show you the goosebumps on my arms. My spirit man got excited about that. I am excited about his return. I am excited about seeing him. But verse 11 warns us that false teachers and false prophets will rise. They'll become prominent and deceive many. Are we seeing that right now? Yes. Verse 12, we hear that lawlessness, which is sin and rebellion against God, will abound. And the love of man, one for each other, will grow cold. The love for God will grow cold. Do you know that there are more people leaving the church than coming into it? More of our youth are denouncing their childhood faith, partially because they've seen nothing in the dead places that they sit in that they call church, not understanding they are the church. That's just a building. Lack of love and compassion means that you neither know the Lord or the Father. 
I've seen a lot of hate. I've seen a lot of lawlessness, the lack of compassion in what is supposed to be his body. If you don't know the Lord or the Father, then there's only one influence left. Well, actually, it's three in one. The world, the flesh, and the devil. That kind of emptiness in heart and soul leads us right into the warning of Second Timothy 3. Now, pay attention. If you, Hopefully you're paying attention. You're not wasting your time. At least I hope, hope you don't think you are. I'm building a case here. What I'm building a case is to show you that we've been warned in the Word of what would be coming as we got closer to the end, that evil would grow, it would increase, the powers of darkness would become more powerful. Second Timothy 3, starting with verse 1. This is the Amplified Version. But understand this, that in the last days, dangerous times of great stress and trouble will come. Difficult days that will be hard to bear. For people will be lovers of self, narcissistic, self-focused. Lovers of money, impelled by greed, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. And they will be unloving, devoid of natural human affection, calloused and inhumane, irreconcilable malicious gossips, devoid of self-control, intemperate, immoral, brutal, haters of good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of sensual pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of outward godliness or religion, although they have denied its power for their conduct nullifies their claim of faith, avoid such people, and keep far away from them. Keep far away from them. Do we see this behavior that's listed in Second Timothy 3? Do we see it? Yes, we do. We see every aspect of it, and it's getting worse. Social media... Instagram, TikTok, everything's about facing a camera, which, of course, right now I'm doing, and I've resisted doing so. But I'm doing it so that I can interact with you as I teach you the word. I don't do selfies. I just don't. I find them arrogant. At times, I find them offensive. Some people have gotten it down to a science. They can extend their arm and tilt that camera and make it look like somebody else is taking the picture, or they have a device. So society has made us very inward-focused, very selfish, inhumane, unholy, profane, malicious gossips, no self-control. But Richard, that's always been there. Oh, of course it has, because it's the nature of the flesh, and of course it's the nature of the demonic. But I believe that the evidence is there, that this has been increasing with each passing year. Who is behind such behavior? If you said anything but Satan and the fallen, Satan and the kingdom of darkness, you were wrong. 
All of that behavior, I believe, is evidentiary aspects of their involvement and participation in society. And as we get closer to the end, the more this behavior and demonic involvement will increase. That's just my opinion. Now, is there anything in the Word to confirm this, that Satan's activity will get worse? Yeah, Revelation 12, verses 10 through 12, paints a picture of what the final days will look like on the earth in regard to the kingdom of darkness. What does it do? It warns us that when Satan and his kingdom are cast down to earth, completely out of the heavens and the heavenlies, made terrestrial, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath. Because what? Because he knows that his time is short. The shortening of the time of the end makes him angry. He knows he's running out of time. I believe right now we're in a period where he is trying to expedite things because he's seeing the signs. The Amplified says, Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you in great wrath, knowing that he only has a short time remaining. You You know what shortening his time? the imminent return of the Lord. Which is why I believe the closer we get to the return of the Lord, the more demonic activity and evil we will see in society. Matthew 24 warns us about the days of Noah. The coming of the Son of Man will be like the days of Noah. Well, you'd have to study the days of Noah. You'd have to read some of the ancillary commentaries and literature that the early church used regarding the days of Noah. We've talked about them. In the future, maybe I'll go back to it. I've done seminars on it. There are videos about it. But the fact is, during the days of Noah, it was pure debauchery, pure evil. The fallen ruled and reigned on the earth, and it was so bad, the only way the Lord could fix it was to drown everything on the earth except for Noah and his family. The Apostle Paul infers to us in Ephesians 6 that the evil day that I'm talking to you about will be about spiritual warfare between two kingdoms. Ephesians 6.13 Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Does that sound complacent to you? Does that sound like it's going to be a picnic and a free ride? No. But the Lord uses a phrase in Matthew 24. says, this generation shall not pass away. He tells us of a particular time frame of the final days. So in the Bible, a generation is made up of 70 years. It could also be 80 years. Psalm 90, verse 10. Seventy years are given to us. Some even live to 80, but even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. You're guaranteed 70 years. Through strength and vigor and the hand of the Lord, you might get 80. You may get more, but that's a generation. A generation is considered 
70 to 80 years. Matthew 24, 32 through 35 gives us a parable of something we should be watching. Now, learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, everything he just said previously in Matthew 24, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. What generation? The generation that experienced this everything he mentions in Matthew 24, all of it cumulatively. Is there a marker? Yes, there is. Learn this parable from the fig tree. It's a command. It's not optional. Who or what is the fig tree? Hosea 9, verse 10. I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your father as the first fruits on the fig tree in its first season. If we look at Joel chapter 1, Jeremiah 29, Luke 13, Hosea 9, 10, Israel is the fig tree. Joel 1, verses 6 and 7, For a nation has come up against my land, strong and without number. His teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he has the fangs of a fierce lion. He laid waste my vine. He ruined my fig tree. He has stripped it bare and thrown it away. Its branches are made white. Joel 1.12, the vine has dried up and the fig tree has withered. The pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree. All the trees of the field are withered. Surely joy has wandered away from the sons of men. Israel is the fig tree. Joel 29. I won't read all of it. Oh, you know what? What the heck? Joel 29, starting verse 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king who sits on the throne of David, concerning all the people who dwell in this city, and concerning your brethren who have not gone out with you into captivity, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will send on them the sword the famine and the pestilence, and I will make them like rotten figs that cannot be eaten. They are so bad. And I will pursue them with the sword, with famine and with pestilence, and I will deliver them to trouble among all the kingdoms of the earth to be a curse, an astonishment, a hissing and a reproach among all the nations where I have driven them because they have not heeded my words, says the Lord, which I sent to them by my servants, the prophets." rising up early and sending them, neither would you heed, says the Lord. America, you need to listen to Jeremiah 29. Luke 13, verses 6 to 9, the parable of the barren fig tree. It's all there. No one knows the day or the hour, Matthew 26, picking up with verse, Matthew 24, picking up with verse 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. 
For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what what hour the thief would have come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Fact. No one knows the day, the hour, and stop listening to people that say they do. Fact. We are called to discern the times. Fact. The enemy knows this as well. In the interaction between the Lord and Hasatan in Luke chapter 4, we see that he knows the word. He knows prophecy. But the Lord said, Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. The Greek word for generation is genea. It refers to a particular age or time. If we combine it with the statement that all these things take place, what? The events in Matthew 24, the birth pangs, the abomination of desolation, um, the impending danger, the catastrophic chaos, the conclusion of the generation in existence when Israel was formed will not pass away before the second coming. So the generation that saw Israel reborn, saw the fig tree put out its leaves, is the same generation that many believe, and I tend to agree, that will see the completion of all things and the return of the Messiah. It's a command. Do not overlook this parable. But what about Israel? Well, Isaiah 66, verse 8, prophesied, Whoever has seen anything as strange as this, who has ever heard of such a thing? Has a nation ever been born in a single day? Has a country ever come forth in mere, a mere moment? But by the time Jerusalem birth pangs begin, her children will be born. Israel had not existed as a nation for nearly 2,500 years. And in the United Nations, on May 14, 1948, Israel became a nation in a day, in a matter of mere moments. So, if I wanted to play the numbers game, and I'm just doing this to show you what some people believe, I'm not saying anything, but if we take the number 80 and add it to 1948, it comes out to 2028. I don't know, but I'm going to tell you what. I wouldn't waste any moment, any day, at any time, not doing what I was told, and keeping my eye on the times, an eye on the sky, and knowing that the enemy is doing the same. Go with me to First Thessalonians 5, chapter 1. 
No, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1. You can't go to 5 and then to chapter 1. See, I hope you were paying attention. If you started flipping back to chapter 1, 1 Thessalonians 5, starting with verse 1. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should not overtake you as a thief. You're all sons, and I'll say daughters, of light and sons and daughters of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on what armor, the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus the Messiah, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. God did not appoint the church, both Gentile and Jew, Messianic believer. He did not appoint those who accept him as Messiah to wrath. Therefore, we cannot be here during the time of Jacob's trouble. I'm going to give you another marker, I think, for evil on the earth. And if this offends you and it gets me in trouble, may not have to worry about switching someplace else. I'll be banned. According to the World Health Organization, every year in the world, there are estimated 40 to 50 million abortions. That means... During today, while I worked on this Bible study. And while you're listening to me, babies are being slaughtered. 125,000 abortions per day. In the United States, nearly half of all pregnancies are unintended, according to the World Health Organization. And four in ten of these are terminated by abortion. Sixty-two million babies have been murdered in the womb since the Supreme Court mandated, passed a law, a statute, in 1973, given the name Roe versus Wade. Sixty-two million babies have been fed to Moloch, a false god of Canaan, who was appeased by the sacrifice of children and infants. He was represented by an idol of iron with a fire in his belly that was so hot his arms would glow red when the heat was as hot as it needed to be. And the people of Canaan would drop their infants into that fire as a sacrifice to Moloch in an attempt to ensure prosperity. The temple prostitutes and the priests would sing and play music and carry on to celebrate this as well as to drown out the cries of the infants. 
idolatry, sexual perversion, child sacrifice. We can even consider human trafficking, sex trafficking, what's being done to children around this world to destroy them in heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit as a sacrifice to a Canaanite god. They were legalized and mandated. That's how Canaan did what they did. It was because of the fullness of their iniquity and the legislation of what God called an abomination that he had decreed their destruction and participated in it. Leviticus 18, 3. This is the Lord, according to the doings of the land of Egypt, where you dwelt, you shall not do, and according to the doings of the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you, you shall not do, nor shall you walk in their ordinances. In the Hebrew word, ordinances is statues, it's legislation, it's enactments, it's customs, it's manners. He's describing a society that was friendly with iniquity. An iniquity which is sin had become so ingrained in the Canaanites by both their customs and their laws, God judged the Canaanites. He destroyed them. He drove them from the land. Unfortunately, they were not completely wiped out. The Canaanites fled on ships, and the Greeks called them the Phoenicians. There are books out there I'm starting to read and look into. At some point, if you want to know, we're going to talk about the fact that the influence of the Canaanites is still in our society today. When a society makes iniquity, an ordinance, when sin becomes law, God reacts accordingly. By allowing the enemy to have access to us and inspiring us to sin, God lets the enemy have free reign. If you can't look at the world right now, if you can't look at politics, if you can't look at media and see what I'm saying, you've either been misled or you're willfully ignorant. Romans 1, verses 18 through 32, and I may go over, I don't care. I need to finish this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be made known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of this world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and godhood, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. Nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible, corruptible man. Forgive me, I'm, I'm a little uh, <clears throat> fired up at the moment. And birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. An image made like corruptible man. When we make images to God, when we make images of Yeshua, when we make icons of saints, 
whether they're birds or four-footed animals or creeping things, we have violated our relationship with them. Therefore, God gave them over to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. I'm going to jump down here. And this is what they do. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do they do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Watch any Hollywood award ceremony, and you'll see that. This is not you. This is not his children. This is not his kingdom. According to 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased people. He purchased you by the blood, special people. You've been set forth and set aside for wonderful deeds and to display his virtues and his perfection. He called you out of darkness into the light. You. The church is the benchmark for this world, that you may show yourselves to be blameless and guileless, innocent, uncontaminated children of God, without blemish, faultless, unrebukable, in the midst of a crooked and wicked generation, spiritually perverted and perverse, among whom you are seen as bright lights, stars, or beacons, shining out clearly in the dark world. You and I, we are called to be the exposers of evil and sin and wickedness. We are called to tell them the truth in love and to rescue them in his name. Don't tell me that business as usual, that evil hasn't gotten worse. I could have listed thing after thing after thing, and I do it in the seminars, and I do it really quickly because I don't want to overwhelm people with the ugliness that what I do is one click after another and show them just the news of that period of time, the debauchery, the sin, the depravity, the evil, the, the gross evil. Turn on any TV. Turn on any streaming media. They're inundating your youth change their mind about their sexuality from what God ordained. They're inundating all of us with the occult and magic and the demonic. They're preparing us for the coming of the fallen. They're preparing us for a darkness that will roll over this earth. But I tell you what, and maybe I'll stand alone. I know I won't be alone. I know my brothers in SRT will be with me. I know some of you will be with me, but I'll be standing 
in their way. With the sword of the Spirit in my hand, I will be standing in their way, proclaiming the gospel and speaking the name of Yeshua. I will be standing in their way, telling the truth and setting the captives free, casting out demons, laying on the hands on the sick, and they will recover. I will do exactly what I'm doing right now. But I will not tolerate ignorance. We are living in a time that rationalizes sin and depravity. We're living in a time making evil, sorcery, and wickedness acceptable. We're living in a time that I believe from my personal experience of what I've seen doing what I do, I'm seeing activity that I've never seen before. I'm seeing an arrogance I've never seen before. I'm seeing a level of power I've never seen before. And that's why I say it appears like the demons are on steroids. Do some research on what steroids does to a person. But you and I are called to do our job, to be salt and light to the world. Father, I come to you in the name of Yeshua, the name above all names. I come to you in the power of your Holy Spirit. I come to you as your son, and we come as your sons and your daughters. And for those of us that hear it, for those of us that see it, that see it, for those of us that have a heart for the lost and the dying and the bound, for those that remember where they came from and what they were like before you saved them, send, send, send your angels. Send a renewal of your power that's already in us. Whatever's hindering us from walking in it, whatever's hindering us from seeing it, whatever's hindering us from doing what your word says do, break it free from us right now in Yeshua's name. Help us, Lord, to do what you've called us to do. Help us, Father, in the name of Yeshua, the name above all names. I pray right now, whoever's had their eyes just opened, that they would respond and join us in proclaiming the gospel, the truth, the good news, and setting the captives free. If you agree with me and agree with what I've said tonight, just say amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I'm Richard Grant. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.